Okay. We are in Ephesians chapter 5. Planning to be in chapter 5 tonight and on Sunday. So let's uh, read the first 14 verses. Do I have a volunteer to, to read? Yes, sir. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality and any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly dark, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Okay, thank you. Uh, First verse says, Be imitators of God, or I think the King James Version renders that followers of God. Uh, Did a little checking on that, and actually the word that is used there is the word that we get mimic from. And so imitators probably is a pretty good rendering of that. So, how would we be imitators of God? Is that possible? I hope so. The love that he has and the okay. sacrifices that he gave. Okay. Sarah? And he gives us several examples of um, how we're supposed to talk and not talk. And so when we are giving we are giving thanks as opposed to gesturing and talking silly, then we're imitating God. Right. And I think that is the idea that's put forth there and expounded upon in the next uh, few verses. Uh, we're also called upon to imitate Christ uh, in several passages in the New Testament. Yeah, Katrina? Well, I, I think it's, it says imitators as beloved children. And so I think of like one of the things I say is, no way, Jose. Um, and Nina, she goes, no way, Jose. Well, it's because we're around each other and we're close to each other and we're in our presence. So I feel like that is a big part of the way that we are able to mimic God is we know him so personally that it just it just comes. Yes, that's an excellent point. I was headed there. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's a perfect example because... 
Uh, we as parents, we've seen that. Our children tend to imitate us. And there's even things that as kids we might have sworn we would never tell our kids. And how many times do we do that? Because we imitate our parents. And as Katrina pointed out, we imitate those that we love and have a relationship with. Uh, and, And that's the idea here. That we're to imitate God, imitate Christ. We're to copy those qualities that we can. Now, does that mean we're a perfect imitation of God and Christ? No. I mean, there's obviously things God can do that we can't do. Uh, And so we can't imitate those characteristics. But we can imitate, you know, as Sarah was saying, the, you know, the love and forgiveness, you know, that's mentioned here. Imitate his righteousness, holiness, goodness, mercy, uh, to the best of our abilities. Will we do that perfectly? No. We won't. But we should strive for that. And so, that's what's being talked about here. And, to imitate someone, uh, I've heard the expression, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Uh, and uh, so we are, when we imitate God, we are really praising Him. When we're trying to have those characteristics. And so uh, those are all, uh, all good things. Okay, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah Raymond. Think of, uh, image bearing and being made in the image. Uh, we get a lot of that in the Old Testament. How, um, you know, this is a much better covenant. And to be imitators, um, it's almost not very specific, whereas there was a lot of law and um, maybe regulation that kept Israel different from other nations. And in, and this, it, it's like a uh, freedom to be forgive, forgiving, freedom mm-hmm. to be loving, freedom to uh, treat your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's almost like adding on to the status of an image bearer. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, good point. Wouldn't this be one way to, to, to describe and define our walk as Christians? Yes. And the very next verse talks about that. It says, And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God is a fragrant aroma. So, you know, exactly. That's, that's the idea there. Uh, you know, we're to walk or to, uh, to order our behavior. Uh, and uh, the tense used there is the, the continual text, tense, you know, to be walking. It's not something that we did once. It's something that we continue to do. And in doing that, we are showing our love, our love for God and 
our love for our fellow man. And we will put away those things, you know, the last couple of verses of chapter 4. You know, verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. That That's a part of walking in love. Putting away these bad characteristics and replacing them with verse 32, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So, God did this, we're to imitate that. So we're to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving. So uh, so it, it goes back and pulls in uh, the last couple of verses there of chapter 4, uh, which makes sense because Paul didn't write it in chapters and verses. Okay. Uh, and... Christ himself is certainly a model of love. Uh, And Christ's gift here is first called an offering, uh, which brings to mind, you know, the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament, the offerings that they brought. Sometimes they were, uh, animal offerings, burnt offerings. Sometimes they were, uh, grain offerings or uh, uh, other kind of offerings and you know we went through that uh, pretty extensively with Tommy in, uh, uh, in the book of Leviticus uh, so Christ is called an offering but he's also the one that offered himself so he's the priest or in this case the high priest So he's both priest and the offering. And then it talks about the sacrifice. uh, So that he made himself a sacrifice. So he's all three. He's our high priest, the offerer. He is the offering. And he's the victim. He's the sacrifice. And he's all that in what he's done for us. And that's... What's being pointed out here in verse 2, and it says that is a fragrant aroma or a pleasing aroma. Uh, And and oftentimes the offerings in the Old Testament were talked about as being a pleasing aroma to God. So the gift of Christ pleased God. And when we live a life of love and purity, that's pleasing to God as well. And that will be pointed out uh, in the next few verses. So any other thoughts there on verse 2? Yeah, Bob. Peter, chapter 1, verse 4, says talks about us being partakers of his divine nature. And then it follows that by how to do that. And it's by putting away the corruption that is in the world. And it just parallels these thoughts so Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. that Peter gives us. Mm -hmm. It's always, I always struggle with the idea of thinking I can be a partaker of his divine nature. And of course, 
his divine nature is is the the purity and love that is in the Lord and in Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, then verses three and four. There's kind of a list given here, a list of six specific sins that are identified. <laughs> And, you know, the, the words used might vary some with the translation that you read from. Uh, what Sarah read from, I think, was the New American Standard because it, uh, it matched what I was looking at. So, <laughs> uh, you know, immorality, impurity, greed, uh, filthiness, silly talk, coarse jesting, uh, and saying that these things aren't proper among the saints, they're not fitting, uh, so, you know, it pretty much runs the gamut. You've got, you know, kind of from one end to the other as far as, you know, uh, the weightiness of the sins, the way man would look at it. Now, sin is sin as far as God is concerned. Uh, and, you know, we could get into the specifics of those, but unless somebody has a question on any one specific, I don't know that we need to emphasize that uh, but we can uh, we can talk about how when Christians practice these things it says these things which are not fitting they don't fit what we're supposed to do they don't fit imitating God and imitating Christ when we practice these things they're not appropriate for our identity, uh, is the idea. And so, really anything evil and improper in a Christian's life doesn't belong. Uh, and we need to be sure to take those things out of our lives. But what does belong? And that's pointed out at the end of verse 4. But rather, giving of thanks. So, in contrast to what's filthy and clean and conduct and speech, much preferred is the giving of thanks. So, prayer and praise to God are the language of the saints, as opposed to filthy language or obscenity. You know, that's the kind of language that we need to have. And when men see our right speech, oftentimes they will avoid using the kind of speech that we don't care to hear. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah, Katrina? This is interesting. It's kind of a progression of... So this is our relationship here... God is Father and we are children and this is the way that we love and then when you look at this list of like, but make sure you're not these, it's the root of all those are are saying, God's not enough you've not given me the right outlets, you've not given me the right stuff, you've not given me the right relationships <laughs> and so that's not what love looks like, love looks <laughs> like being thankful for the things that he has given us mm-hmm. so really this is just a continual thought Mm-hmm. And if we concentrate and continually give thanks, 
will become much more appreciative and become much more the way God wants us to be. Yeah, breath. Yeah, going along with that, we talked about the put off, put on uh, principle. You know, don't be falsehood. No longer steal, but work, right? Mm -hmm. And then here, Mm -hmm. instead of doing all of these selfish things, as Katrina pointed out, what you put those off and what you put on in place of those is gratitude. It's it's Thanksgiving and Mm -hmm. uh, just follows that same principle, Mm -hmm. same pattern. Sir? And looking in verse 3, it talks about these things must not even be named among you. And it's kind of like if you know, if there's a pop quiz and someone says, okay, look at this group of people. Tell me what their characteristics are. And the person, you know, has 30 seconds to name as many as they can. And ones like immorality and impurity and greed and filthy talk, those shouldn't be in the top 10. Those shouldn't be in the top 1,000. But, you know, that's not a thing that should come to mind when someone looks at your life as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good point. Anything else? So verse 5, you know, follows along from verses 3 and 4. It says, For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Uh, So, the consequence of sin should be pretty evident. That if we're going to live a life of sin and practice that, then we shouldn't expect an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now, one of the things that is mentioned there uh, says... A covetous man who is an idolater. How would a covetous person be rightly called an idolater? You ever think about that? Yes, sir? Someone did a lesson on this. I know they did. And it, the idea is, part of the idea at least, is that they've replaced money. They've replaced God with money and their greed. And so money, wealth, power, influence, that is what they are seeking for most. And that results in being covetous and greedy because their God is no longer God. It's okay. the dollar. Uh, is... Money or wealth, the only thing that could make us covetous. I see some no's. I agree. And if you think about idolatry, idolatry is the worship of something other than God or putting something in the place of God. Now, where should God be in our lives, in the the rankings? Well, pretty obvious, God should be at the top. 
So anything that replaces God and ranks higher or even equal, I would argue, would constitute idolatry. And so we do typically think of covetousness as, you know, greed and, you know, it's translated that way in, in some versions and money. And that's what a lot of people tend to covet, tend to put as first place. They're interested in amassing all the wealth that they can. Uh, and if that's your goal, you have replaced God at the top. But it could be other things too. Uh, it wouldn't have to be money. Bob? Yeah, Colossians 3, 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Mm-hmm. Calls all those sins yes. idolatry. Yeah, Leanne. I think whenever you want anything so much that you're coveting it, whether it be material possessions or even someone's um, standing in society or health for mm-hmm. your family or something like that, if you're wanting it so bad that you're coveting it, you're thinking about it more than you're thinking about God. And you're thinking about it, obviously, more than you're thinking about the, what's best for that other person if you want mm-hmm. it from them. Or you don't want them to have it, and you do want them to have it. <coughs> so that violates the two major mm-hmm. rules of God, to love him and love others. Mm-hmm. Yep, good point. Raymond? I would say, uh, like what Katrina said about the outlets that we've been given and replacing them. Mm-hmm. And with covetousness, um, I have notes here. It says to place one's ultimate allegiance in the acquisition of the possessions of others. And that leads ultimately to greater sin. And it's it's never... We're talking about like greater sin would imply that there's a pathway um, for repentance. But there's also a continual dark path that can just continue as you replace the outlets he's given you and you replace them with the exact opposite, which would be unthankfulness and jealousy. Okay. Yeah, we're going to talk about light and darkness in just a few minutes. And, and that fits in well with that. Okay, anything else? Yeah. Yeah, you know, thinking about this with idolatry, I think there's it's pretty easy to find people today who spend more time focused on money or their careers <coughs> or anything, than people would have spent on worshiping you know, Kibosh or Molach or anything like that. I mean, so... Okay. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, that, that that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Uh... And sin can be very deceptive. And, you know, the devil in tempting us, uh, he's deceptive. Uh, Sin always takes you further than you planned and costs you more than you really wanted to pay. Uh, and keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. That's true. It's <laughs> trying to think of the third one there. <laughs> Thank you, Boyd. <laughs> yeah. So, 
it doesn't come at you showing you everything. Uh, and it's it's very deceptive that way. And Paul points that out. Don't be deceived because God's going to exercise his wrath on those that are disobedient. And that's a place we don't want to be. The wrath of God, nobody wants to experience that, but unfortunately many will. So, we need to be wary of the things in the world. And we're bombarded with media-type stuff. And I'm not just talking news media, but, you know, TV, movies. And there's a progression. Any of you remember (coughs) I Love Lucy and the Dick Van Dyke Show? Anything that stands out to you about those two shows... Now, I know some of you have just seen them in re- reruns, and I'll grant you I'm I'm mostly in that list. <laughs> Sarah, I know I remember that in both the bedrooms were displayed as having two single beds as opposed to one bed that they shared. Correct. That's where I was going. They slept in twin beds. Now, both Lucy and Ricky and uh, Rob and, oh, what's her name? Laura, yes. They were married. There's nothing wrong with married people sleeping in the same bed. I sleep in the same bed as Deborah. But back then, you didn't show that. And that's a good thing. Then you came along to the Brady Bunch. And Mike and Carol Brady were sleeping in the same bed. Okay, they were married. What do you have today? You got, yeah, you got a mess. And I, I'm sure it's worse than... I even know because I don't watch any current TV shows or, and I'm not a big movie person either. Uh, but there's all kinds of filth. And you've got people doing all sorts of things together that they have no right to do. Uh, homosexual, homosexuality is, you know, praised on the big screen anymore and the little screen. And, uh, so, It's gotten worse and worse. And that's what the world tends to do. Katrina. Um, Hebrews 2.1, Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Yep. It's not a one-done. It's a gradual... Yes. Yes. So then it says, verse 7, Therefore do not be partakers with them. Uh, You know, we shouldn't participate in that. We shouldn't share in that. We shouldn't support that. 
so that should tell us what sorts of TV shows, movies we watch, what sort of places we patronize, uh, what sort of work we do. Uh, I had a job interview. I mean, this was a long time ago. Uh, it was for a particular company uh, who shall remain nameless. Uh, it seemed to be an upstanding company. But I had on my resume that I was a member of, uh, I think at that time it might have been the Greenwood Church of Christ. Uh, even though they said, you don't want to put anything religious on your resume, I always did. I wanted people to know where I was coming from. And because of that, in this interview, they told me, we noticed that, and so we thought maybe we should tell you about our tobacco department in our stores. Uh, that's what we call it, that's what it's for, but some people use the stuff we sell for, you know, drug use. And just thought maybe you'd want to know that, uh, if that makes any difference to you. And I thought a moment and said, yes, it does. Thank you for pointing that out. I don't think we need to waste our time anymore. I appreciated that they pointed that out. Uh, and the fact that they pointed that out tells me that they thought a religious person might have a problem with this. And if they thought that, that was reason enough to say, nope, I'm not interested. Uh, so, yeah, our workplace, our profession can be uh, affected by, you know, not being partakers of those evil things and would certainly affect things we buy as well. Okay. Then uh, in verse 8, it says, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So we get into the darkness and the light that we referred to a little bit ago. You know, darkness is associated with evil. Uh, when a person's in darkness, they're surrounded by evil, they serve their own lusts, their own willful actions, uh, <coughs> instead of following the directions of God our Creator. 
And notice it says not only that they were in darkness, but they were darkness. They'd taken on the characteristics of darkness. And when you take on those characteristics, that darkness can spread to others that are around you. And they become in the darkness as well. But then contrast that with the light. The light of the Lord and walking as children of light. So we radiate the light of Christ in our lives. And in a very real sense become a light to the world and to others that are around us. Uh, the word light there is from the, the Greek word that we get, you know, photo or photograph. Uh, and if a photo is really dark, it doesn't uh, do any good. You know, we need uh, sufficient light to see that. And the scriptures talk about God and Christ being the light in places like, uh, you know, John chapter 1. If you want to turn over there. John chapter 1, uh, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then also in 1 John chapter 1, and verse 5. Uh, and this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him and in him there is no darkness at all. Uh, so God and Christ are referred to as light uh, and we need to be connected to that light and imitate God to let that light shine. And so we have that responsibility to live in the light. Uh, And then, uh, if you look in verse 9, it talks about, uh, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness is genuine moral excellence. Uh, now the world has redefined good good isn't what it used to be and that's part of the devil's doings as well Uh, but really only God can define what is good he made this world So we need to follow his definition. There's also righteousness, uh, which is associated with justice and refers to doing what truly is right. And truth is reliable fact. It's the very opposite of error and deceit. Uh, So walking in the light is walking according to the goodness as described by God, 
the righteousness as defined by God and the truth as revealed by God. So, that's the how we show the light when we do those things. And then we are showing and learning what is acceptable to, to God, what is pleasing to Him. Verse 10, uh, I think the King James renders that proving what is acceptable unto the Lord or trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Another uh, translation of that. Uh, I read across this. I wanted to read this to you. It says, Nothing in life is more fearful than walking in darkness. Nothing is more satisfying than a productive life in the light. There is no joy in evil. There is an in there is every inner blessing and happiness in doing good. It is amazing that man so often does not realize the beauty of God's way of living. He searches in the darkness for that which is readily available in the light. God's word lies open to all who would read it, accept it, and turn their attention toward following its direction. You know, the world's out there looking for for satisfaction, and they're looking in all the wrong places. And it's right here in God's word. If they'll just look at that, read it, study it, follow it. Yeah. Um, and I think to that point, um, well, first, I think in verse 14, I, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I think some people think that's like a like a hymn, like an old first century, may, maybe is one of the things. But it seems to be inspired from Isaiah 60. Um, and he okay. says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you, and nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And so I think, to what you're saying, like, when we walk in the light and image God, that will draw people in who are in the darkness, in the realm of the world, instead of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, sir. Um, and just looking at verse verses one, six, and seven, all have references to either children or sons. So you've got beloved children, sons of disobedience, children of light, and it's just kind of an interesting that same theme of father and child and obedient versus disobedient, and 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 all of that, and then. Also in verse 10, the idea that trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, sometimes people will go, well, I don't know what he wants, I can't figure it out, and you can you can look and see these principles like uh, there should be no filthiness and silly talking, coarse jesting, and yet even with the, this rule, <coughs> sometimes you have to evaluate your speech and see was that a 
bad joke? Is that acceptable? Is that not? Is am I learning? And I'm, part of it is learning in a practical sense what these things mean, mm-hmm. and, which makes me my head go back to how a child learns. You know, they don't necessarily they hear the rule and they can say that we obey right away with a happy heart and all the way, but <laughs> that doesn't. Stop the three-year-old from stamping across the <coughs> living room all upset because they have to go put away their toys. They don't quite get it yet. Mm-hmm. Presumably, eventually they do. I, I, <laughs> I have dogs, not kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, you know, light and darkness are totally incompatible. You can't have both in the same place. Ever think about that? Darkness is the absence of light. Uh, And in a totally dark place, it doesn't take much light to have an impact. Uh, That was uh, driven home to me one time. I went to visit Mammoth Cave took one of their tours went down they had these wooden benches sitting there and some of you have probably done this uh, had us all sit down and they warned us they told us what they were going to do they turned out all the lights that was darkness like I had never experienced before I mean I grew up in the city. I'd never really been in total darkness. You talk about not seeing your hand in front of your face. I tried it. Yeah. Couldn't see anything. Then they lit a match. It's amazing how much you could see from the light of that one match. Because it was a pretty good sized room we were sitting in. And you could really see all the way around the room. So, light dispels darkness. And so if we live a life of light, we can dispel the darkness in the world and influence those in the dark to come over to the light. Just like that one little match. Okay. Yeah, Katrina. I think it's interesting, one of the, you were talking about photography earlier, one of the things um, when you're working with photography <coughs> is how much light there is, is the exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like what you were saying, it light exposes what's in the darkness. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a photographer. I, uh, of course, used to use those Instamatic cameras, and then I got a, uh, I got a 35 millimeter autofocus, auto flash, auto everything, and I never touched that. It's like it'll make much better decisions than I will because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, now, to someone who is a real photographer, 
I'm told they don't like all that automatic stuff. They uh, they want to do it themselves and uh, and are able to do that. But I was a, a rank amateur, and and now I got this thing, and uh, <laughs> I don't even use my 35 millimeter camera much anymore. Well, it's it's digital. Uh, it's not a film camera, but uh, yeah. When I worked uh, for a newspaper and had to go take pictures, they were always like, "You need to take." Officially, the, you need to take three pictures. One at the exposure you think it should be, one a step down, one a step up, so that you bracket the shot and get the right kind of light. Um, and it was always, there are some amazing things you can do with that, but it all comes down to having light to do it with. Because in the dark, you don't really get very good pictures. It's, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, in verse 13, it talks about, uh, but all things become visible when they are exposed to the light. Uh, for everything that becomes visible is light. Uh, so when things are, are hidden, that's where sin tends to reign. Uh, you know, there's a lot of sins that happen at night under the cover of darkness. Uh, and so light becomes the great revealer. And, uh, you know, the revelation of God's wisdom in the gospel, you know, is a revealer of those sins. And, uh, and so that's part of our job is to spread that gospel so that it does reveal that. Uh, and then verse 14, you know, for those that are in the darkness, they need to awake and arise. You know, awake sleeper and rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Uh, So the gospel raises those who are spiritually dead. Uh, And they need the goodness, the rightness, the truth, spiritually, to be resurrected. In fact, Ananias told Saul of Tarsus... Uh, to arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 22.16 uh, That action on his part uh, would resurrect him out of the darkness of the world and into the light. And so, just like Saul was told that he needed to do that. We need to do that. And we need to be telling others about that as well. Okay, any other thoughts or comments on the first 14 verses? Okay, we got a couple of minutes. Uh... Verse 15 says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but wise. 
Do you have to be careful when you walk? There's some head shaking, yes. And it's mostly those of us who are older. And I'm, uh, I'm getting that more and more. When I was younger, I could go right down the stairs. Just bang, 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 bang. I'm down. Don't hold on to the rail. No problem. Could I do that today? Yeah, sometimes. It might be a different kind of bang, bang, bang. Yes, that's right. I said I could do. I could do that today sometimes. But because I can't do that all the time, I choose to not do that any of the time. Because the consequences can be pretty severe as uh, Sarah was pointing out. So, I go slower. I hold on to the handrail. Not because I think I'm about to fall, but I want to make sure I don't fall. And that's the idea. Be careful how you walk. There's danger looking lurking. Okay, thank you for your comments and we'll finish up chapter 5 on Sunday.